kingdom of God. And it's difficult to explain the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is when God gets inside of you, He begins to overflow from you and ministers to the world around us. So the kingdom of God is a movement that God has generated and created and is imparted in your soul and in mine. And yet that kingdom of God continues to expand because when you and I come into a real and significant relationship with God, you can't keep it in a box. And as God begins to overflow from our lives, that that kingdom continues to grow and expand. And so we've talked about uh, several different uh, things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Now this morning we're going to look in Acts chapter 17. And we want to begin at uh, verse uh, 16. And I'll read down just through part of this story to verse 23. Now while the Apostle Paul was waiting for them, that is the others that were on his team, in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city there was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he said, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this is because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For I, as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by the fact that somehow you have allowed us to know the one who is, claim, who is said to be unknown. We live in a world and a culture that is constantly communicating or expressing or even demanding that we give up our confidence, that we would give up the awareness of our relationship with you and keep it to ourselves because evil has insisted that God cannot be known. Lord, we come to you as a people recognizing that what you have begun to do in our lives, you will not only complete it, but what you have begun to do in our lives is not simply something in our heads. It has touched our hearts. It has caused our bodies and our lives to come alive. It has given us the capacity to see and to believe and experience so many things that you promise. We thank you, Lord, that the life that you have planned and purposed for us is really you. And we pray, O oh God, that as we allow you to shine through us, to fill us and to send us out, to fill us and to send us out again, we pray, God, 
that we might gain an increased confidence that what has been given, there's plenty to share. We give you thanks and praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know whether you've ever been in a situation where people have challenged you about your confidence in God, and you found yourself struggling for ideas and thoughts to to try to respond, and then other times you realize after that moment came and went, you realize, I could have said this, I could have said that, I could have taken a stand for this, I could have, whatever it may be. But here's the Apostle Paul in a situation in which he is committed to living as a vocal testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only a living example, but he has committed his life because God has commissioned him to life to be that which is a voice and an influence to the world around him, that he comes through cities and towns and villages, sometimes with an immediate kind of response of one form or another, some small, some larger, whatever it may be, and then quite often alongside of the influence of his testimony, there is the resistance, the opposition of the challenge that has come his way. And as he yet continues to journey on with a conviction and passion that I have known God and I can explain him. As you and I go through life, many times we may be challenged about some of the values that we kind of identify with or some of the belief systems we cherish. Sometimes we're not so sure really what it is we really believe or why we believe these things, but I trust that you and I would realize the kingdom of God is a people who are growing in an awareness and a relationship that the things that you and I cherish are something that truly has impacted our lives but it can truly impact other people's lives. Now, obviously, when we gain confidence or we speak outwardly or openly about our faith, there are many people that might resist that or challenge that. But in essence, when we continue to grow in our relationship with God, our confidence, I trust, should become a little bit more firmer. And the stories we tell, the testimonies, the scriptures we use would would begin to become an overflow of what God has indeed granted to us. We might wonder sometime, maybe this morning or maybe we one time, why some people seem to have such great assurance that God indeed is real and, and this is how you can explain Him and this is how you can communicate. But I trust that even through these scriptures this morning that we might find ourselves with a little bit more assurance that God, who some people say cannot be known, you can say, I can explain them to you. As we think about this, I want to touch upon just several things that I believe are very important as to how we gain that kind of assurance and some of the things that we can share with great uh, confidence that these things are so and these things are valid and these things are true. What we want to begin by looking at it, first of all, is the numerous scriptures that give us a clue to the process And that is, as we look in the scriptures, maybe you want to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 29. I trust as we go through uh, a study, as we look in some of these things, that we might be able to say a yes and amen, because inside there are experiences that many of us have gone through. 
that this is what brings that validation. It's what builds your spiritual momentum. It's what gives you that holy boldness that God indeed intends to grant to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him, if you look for Him with all your heart and with all your soul. The first and most important thing you and I understand about knowing God is we have gone through experiences in life, we have begun the search, we have begun to align our lives or reorient our lives that we want to know God from experience. We want to seek Him in a way that we're not simply going through some kind of an imaginary idea of vague beliefs, but you and I need to understand seeking comes with a promise that you and I will find. Knocking, that door will be opened. And these are the elements or the principles that not only Jesus taught, but are all through Scripture that when you and I put our heart and soul into seeking God, you and I will find Him. How do you be able to explain an unknowable God? It's because in the passion of our seeking and searching, we actually found Him. We experienced Him. And some of those beginning experiences are that the pieces of life start to come a little bit more clearly, that the pursuit of truth, you begin to get answers for this this desire to understand God on an intellectual level. But other ways are seeking Him in times of worship. Seeking Him and finding that peace and that sense of satisfaction that I have, I have actually entered into the presence of God. I've experienced His presence. There's other times we seek God because our health is not so great. So we humbly begin to lift our concerns and burdens to God. And to our surprise, or maybe to the tenderness of our hearts, He touched me. That's a tough one to argue against. You can share about God because of those experiences that we have had in the pursuit to find Him, to experience Him, to engage with Him, to touch Him. Many ways that we could talk about that concept of seeking. We could spend a lot of time looking at scriptures about the value of seeking with the assurance, indeed, that you and I will find God, that we will experience Him and we will benefit from Him. As the Apostle Paul was was sharing about his faith that he goes from community to community, particularly in Athens at this time where there was this this mental capacity of of philosophers and and individuals who lived in a world that you got to prove it to me. you got to work through by all the, the belief systems there and somehow it has to fit the equation that life has structured for it. When you and I have those experiences of finding God because of the pursuit of seeking, you and I can have an assurance that that truth itself has enough truth in it and God's blessing upon it that God will do the validating and the affirming and confirming. But there's a couple more aspects in the seeking because we might uh, have a tendency to kind of go without any clarity or direction in the pursuit of this particular seeking. But one thing we want to look at is in Isaiah chapter 55. Because we certainly don't want to think that we are going to intellectually woo people into the concept of God. You and I need to realize that though we may use Scripture and we may use the truths that God has given to us, but what always goes with the way that you and I can speak in God's behalf is that our heart is also in the right place. 
Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. As you and I are, in essence, being commissioned by God or entrusted with his mysteries and his truths, we go through life truly as a reflection of a heart that's been touched, a life that's been changed. That you and I come to acknowledge that we have may not have always been so passionate about seeking to really truly know God, but in the pursuit of seeking, the promise of finding, is that when we truly want to come with our hearts brought back into a oneness of devotion and love to God. And these are, in essence, just a few samples of this promise of seeking. And so the first way that you can speak with authority, the first way you can speak with confidence, is in our searchings, in our longings, God indeed was found. It's the beginning of your testimony. It's the beginning of your life story. It's what people uh, need to hear. They need to know that the God that we live for and serve is so much more than a God that is found somewhere in a book, but he's written all over the chapters of every aspect of our life. You and I can speak with confidence. You and I can explain the one who is claimed to be unknowable. I can explain him to you. That's where the beginning of our faith is indeed. Our experiences validate that what indeed as we sought God as he, he is, then we indeed found him to be not only that good, but so much better. Well, let's go now to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. As we uh, continue to uh, share our faith and live our faith and express our faith, we realize that there is much that you can gain from a, a, an, a, an experiences in life about God and what we can learn about Him and, and grow in the pursuit of Him. But then we bring some clarity in order to allow the God that, that, that has revealed Himself to you. And through experiences and through truth, we must recognize as well that there's a limitation in what you and I might learn about Him until there's an increase in a focus upon what is revealed. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. The secret things, that is the things that not everybody knows, belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of His law. God has certainly not revealed everything about Himself but he certainly has revealed more than enough for you and I to be busy for the rest of our lives. You and I need to realize to, to speak with any sense of confidence or authority, you must not only have your experiences, but those experiences must fit together with the things that God has revealed about himself. And so here we are as individuals who speak with a sense of authority or confidence about a God that the world might say, you really can't know him. You can say, but I do know one thing, that what he has revealed, I can share with you. And so here you and I are as we, we journey through life, you realize you meet people all the time. 
And if they're uh, sometimes a, a little bit more open and honest, they will tell you some of the hurdles, the struggles, the, 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 the ideas that they, they are trying to work through. And yet the more that you and I are familiar with uh, what God helps us understand through His Word, the more you can have confidence to speak and say, I know there's a scripture about that one, and I know there's a truth about this. Some of us, we have to uh, uh, recognize that in the process of sharing, God sometimes leaves you hanging. You ever been there? And sometimes the words flow. I'd like to believe that every time you speak, you'll always have the words to flow, but would that truly shape our lives? When we walk away from uh, 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 conversations and we walk away from opportunities, having to humbly admit, I really thought I could explain God, and I realize God wants to take me back and pursue what is revealed and humbly ask, Lord, help me to keep growing in that experience. So even though we speak with authority, we never are masters, in fact, of that truth. We are totally dependent on the Spirit of God helping us understand it and totally depend upon a growing relationship that He shows you and reveals to you more and more and more. I uh, remember one of my early situations where I was really stumped, and uh, some of you may have heard this before, is I was, uh, my wife and I were attempting to minister at a work release program in uh, Lehigh County in the prison system. And uh, there was a young lady that uh, after, in one of the Bible studies, we were sharing about faith in Christ and, and the value and benefit of, of, of living a life that we entrust to Him. And she simply just said to me, hold it just a minute. I've never really heard who Jesus is. Could you tell me? And you might say, well, that's an easy one to answer. I found myself after just coming out of college when you know all the right answers, that I was stumped. I thought, you got to know something because I can't start from nothing. I've got to start from somewhere. And so I found myself, I remember thinking, Lord, you got to help me because this is where the real questions of life are. This is where the real issues of life are. That it's not a simple answer she was looking for. She was looking to find out if I could explain the one she does not know in a language, and a format, and a style, and a presentation. And I found myself saying, Lord, that's it. I want to be able to explain the mysteries of Christ. I want to be able to identify the things that certainly will not only bring value and purpose to a person's life, but the things that will change their life. We go back and realize that God has revealed many things to us. There's a lot of things that you and I will never be able to grab a hold of and, and, and be able to communicate within our minds the things about God. But one thing is true. God has revealed the things that belong to us. And so we work through that. Another way is to, to acknowledge not only that God has revealed Himself, but let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Now this is what ties getting back to the original concept of seeking and being, having assurance that we will find God. Is there are many things that uh, you and I could learn from somebody else or we could learn from uh, 
some particular study or series or training, but there's some things that can only be given to you by God himself putting them right there in your heart. It's what separates information from what is known as a, a word from God or a wisdom from God. God gives you a truth that needs to be or is given to you for a special purpose or a time or place in life. And the more that you and I can gain a, a spiritual confidence that we are a people who are making known the unknown God, you and I are going to need the help that only God can give. And so when we look in Proverbs chapter 2, as I apply it in this particular di direction, I want you to sense the intensity and the intentionality of a focus upon the words of God. As you and I truly seek God with a purpose, you and I search the information or the truths about God with a clear intent, I want to make known the unknowable God. I want to communicate to the world around me, not so much by winning an argument, by saying the right thing at the right time in the right place. We're asking God to do a miracle to reveal himself. My son, in chapter 2, verse 1, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and you cry out aloud for understanding, if you look for it, there it is, as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will find the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is the right and just and fair and every good pass. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. We can move on and on and on looking at the blessings. It's one thing to look at them for you. It's another thing to look at them for someone else. And as we journey through life, what gives us that great assurance and the confidence that we can explain the unknowable God is because in our passion of pursuit, in our faithfulness to God's word, in our confidence that the God who has revealed himself as he explains himself to me, shall we be faithful to say, I'll give them away. God's purpose and plan for our lives is to let this world know the unknowable God. And you and I could speak, not simply because we know the right answers, but we're walking with the one who gives all the right answers. It's within that passionate pursuit, and I challenge us, when we worship God, we're looking for God to impart upon us that wisdom that you and I need on Monday morning. When you and I pray to God, our purpose and intent in prayer, as much as the promises are to ask whatever you wish, to ask for the things that truly matter in life, that you and I sharpen and hone all the promises and the objectivity in life is that you and I can make known the one who is unknown. That you and I gain the resources that he intend to want to give to us for that purpose, to share him, to give, and to overflow in life. Our confidences, and the thing that people cannot argue against, as a matter of fact, it not only settles the matters in their life, 
but certainly gives you the boldness to keep on speaking is, you know what it's like to knock and it opens. You know what it's like to seek and to find. You know what it is, indeed, to pour your heart out before God and allow the Word of God to come alive. You know what it's like when God has laid upon your heart a truth, a word, and you share it with someone, and it brings life into their heart and soul. These become the evidence that God is indeed speaking. Well, as we continue to move on, we realize the expression of our relationship with God, the expression of our faith, it continues to grow, it continues to expand, it becomes not only more and more assuring in our own walk, but it becomes more effective in our influence in the world around us. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, and we look at verse 27. We know that we spend a significant amount of time in the learning phase of our Christian journey. We're constantly uh, going back to, to the book. We're constantly re-looking at the Scriptures. We're constantly talking about how our, 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 our minds are shaped around the truths, the principles of God's Word. And we keep looking at this informational aspect, but the goal is never to become smarter. The goal is always to become different. The goal is always to move in a way that God will not only shape us from the inside out, but we have the capacity to shape others from the inside out as well. And one of the deep mysteries that we have in our faith is, is revealed right here in verse 27. Colossians 1, 27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The secret to life that gives you courage, it gives you capacity is knowing Jesus lives here. You can try to explain to people where God is and what God is attempting to accomplish and where God is moving in the world. The assurance is that he's working right here. This is where he lives. Though he was crucified, buried, and rose again and ascended to heaven, the same one lives right here. No one can argue about the Christ in you. Nobody can debate about anything when he has not only come and imparted himself to you, but your life is a living testimony. There was a time before that this is who we were, this is what described us, this is what defined us, but then we come to a place, and I trust even today, that we are so different because our identity has changed. Christ lives here. And as we share and we continue to speak in behalf of our relationship with God, that is one of the things that God has intended to give you so that you can give. People can work all the way around a lot of things, but they cannot ever in any way minimize uh, the presence of Christ in us if indeed he truly lives there. They may shoot about you and say, well, if you're a real Christian, you ought to be living a little bit higher standard. Say, give me a couple weeks, I'll be back. You and I need to have confidence that the work that God began, he's going to finish. He's going to keep shaping. He's going to keep polishing. People try all kinds of avenues and means to shoot it down. But you and I need to realize what God does in us is the secret to communicating 
what God wants to do in the world around us. It's that presence of Christ living in us. Now we realize that we're in a, a growing stage, a growing phase, just, just a seeking God. You never quite get there and think that, well, I'm done on the seeking. <laughs> if we keep growing, we're coming back. If we keep growing, we're moving ahead. We keep seeking, searching and we keep seeking to experience it, not because we need something simply bigger and better, It's the world is bigger and moving faster. The purpose we seek Him is to share Him and to proclaim Him. The purpose that we want more of Him is so that we can share more of Him. And when that becomes that priority in life, and the reason why we search the Scriptures is so there would be more to overflow, it's going to change your confidence and your willingness to speak forth, to explain the the God who is, is said to be unknowable, we can say, but we can explain Him. Because we not only have the things that God has revealed and promises to reveal, but it is Christ truly in us. Um, some of the things we want to uh, look at, uh, particularly in, in relationship to this, is uh, found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We'll begin with verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Maybe I'll start with 10 to get us started here. Romans 8, 10, and then down through 11 uh, through 14. Now, if Christ is in you, your body's dead because of sin. Your spirit's alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. What we need to clarify is when Christ is in us, you and I are not really in charge a whole lot more. As a matter of fact, we're not in charge at all. But you and I are learning to be led by a new person, a new presence at work in our lives. Now, it's really not distinguishing. As a matter of fact, it's trying to clarify that the presence of Christ in us is truly the Spirit of Christ in us. There's no real difference between these, so you don't have two voices trying to get you going two different directions. But what the Holy Spirit does is He is enabling us to see us. So when we're trying to proclaim to the world, we're trying to convince the world, we're trying to prove to the world that we can explain the unknowable God, the evidence is His work in me. That's the evidence. And so where the Holy Spirit is what brings clarity to that, it's what brings effectiveness to that. It's what brings about the beauty that as our lives change, you and I can speak. This is what God did in my life. I challenge you sometime to get out a piece of paper and write down your testimony, particularly on what has God done in your life. You need to speak about the times that you came to faith and the miraculous side of that. You need to realize or communicate somehow the way that God caused these truths to come alive to you. You need to look at times and and places and events and circumstances that were so overwhelming and so difficult to ever think there was an answer, and you need to testify, what did God do to bring you through that valley? 
What did he do to bring about your circumstances? How did he accomplish that? So that as you're explaining to people who believe God cannot be known, you can say, I've got a pattern here. I can show you the, the progression of him revealing himself. You need to share sometimes when God shows you things that really quickened your spiritual energy. And then there may be times we got to bring about the story about how we may have gotten away from God in our first love and he brought us back to that once again. These are the things that allow people to realize God must be doing something in your life. He must be real. And these are the ways that he can do that. Uh, so as we, we look at that internal presence of Christ and, and the working of His Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God has given to us so that we can explain the one who is unexplainable, that you and I can make known the one who is said to be unknowable, that you and I have the capacity to reveal because of what God has done, not so much that you can win another argument. He may give you wisdom at the moment. He may give you the words to say at the time that brings somebody back into a thoughtful response. But the real secret is that indwelling presence of Christ and His Spirit. We could spend uh, a little bit more time looking at that, but uh, we want to move to one more thought and then wrap up as we prepare ourselves to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to look at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I think what tends to frustrate more people who aren't sure yet is that many people come to faith but are not aware of their calling. Many people come into a relationship with God and then do not demonstrate any real purpose. No ministry, no real place where they can take their life and share their life. Now, sometimes that's due to a clear a misunderstanding of the calling because there may be a thought process that pastors are called and missionaries are called, but the rest of us, we don't really get called. That's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach that where you are is your mission field. If you're a parent, your kids are your mission field. If you're a nurse, it's your patients. If you teach, it's your students. It's wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, that's your calling. And to see the focus of your life in connection with a calling, it changes the way we search the scriptures and the way we look for wisdom. It's the way we uh, look for God to speak through our lives. Sometimes we get these ideas like, God, I, I really want to share my faith somewhere else. I want to go to a next town. I want to go to the next place. I I really want to do something for you. And I, I think we, we, we sell ourselves short because we may not consider that God has placed us right where we're at and he wants us to serve him right where we're at. But to live in a way that you have assurance that God has gifted you for the moment, that God has gifted you and will gift you as you are needed, 
And as you and I journey through life, we realize that we can indeed minister for the Lord Jesus Christ and be a testimony to Him in places that are not considered church. The places of life, the highways, the byways, wherever we go in life, that there are opportunities to communicate a knowledge of God to a world that may or may not believe that God can be explained. We trust that as we come together, we already know the right answers here in church. We believe the right things. We've cherished these. But as we get together, we're looking for God to impart to our hearts and renew our strength and commitment to Him so that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday throughout the week, we can overflow into the lives around us. As we think in terms of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God was intended to be the overflow of where the saints are gathered. It's as we come together in worship and as we come together uh, being strengthened in our own faith, we are always a people that are sent, sent, sent. That's our calling. Our calling is to respond to the things that God gave us and utilize the places He's put us to be that lighthouse, to be that expression of faith in a way. Now, we could all try to go someplace where we know that everybody wants to listen to us, but the truth is the opposite should be true. We're to go into the places where people typically are not going to listen, but our testimony can bridge that desire. It can bring about opportunities that we have uh, no idea where that indeed may go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that uh, you've enabled us to be a people who have been given the truths, the mysteries, the secrets, so that as we're entrusted with them, we would be faithful in sharing them to the world around us. Help us to recognize as we gather even today that we trust we could take something and begin to exercise it and apply it so that we could give it away to someone else. We thank you, Lord, for this faith and the life that you've given us, the potential that has been granted to us. And we pray that we might be willing to take this and to share that with those around us. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, for that. Now we pray, Lord, as you indeed have promised to renew us and to cleanse us, we pray that at this moment of uh, celebration of the Holy Sacrament, that you might freshly remind us that all that has ever happened in our life is because of a great price you paid, Lord. And we come to not only celebrate, but we come to declare that what you've done is the secret to what I will ever be. In Jesus' name, amen. May I have uh, uh, some ushers please come forward as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, just as those first disciples had no idea what it really meant when you, Lord Jesus, took that loaf of bread and broke it, you gave them the truths that this is my body which is broken for you. Do it as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. 
and the forgiveness of sins that's associated with that. But we pray, O oh God, that today, this morning, it would be so much more than just that information we need to know. We need to recognize the beauty of your presence and your broken life now beginning to be put into our hearts and our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of truth, and yet we pray, O oh God, that the mystery itself would cause us to have some kind of insight or fresh awareness that this is a sacred and holy moment. I thank you that not only what you've intended to do and have done throughout the ages, we pray, God, that this might be a new thing today. We give you thanks. Remind us, O oh God, allow this to not only be embedded in our minds, but God, please, we pray, let it touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please hold a cracker to a served, and then we will partake of that together. The worship team is going to play a song. If you'd like to reflect upon those words, or you simply want to close your eyes, and to think about not only what Christ has done, but what Christ is doing in your heart and life. It's an opportunity that we're all invited to come back and say, Lord, here we are. Cleanse me. Scriptures say that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We are blessed to have a, a reminder. And yet that reminder is simply more than something that should minister to our minds. It's intended to get to the heart. And because God has given us this, he has promised to bless us by us pondering that for a moment and thinking about what he has done and yet desiring to be what he intends us to be. We're going to change. 
we're going to change. He sees to it. He's the one that has all the promises of cleansing and purifying us, empowering us and blessing. It's Him. Jesus simply looked at His disciples on that occasion and said, Take eat, every one of you, but do it in remembrance of me. Father, we are humbled that uh, you couldn't just overlook our sins and you couldn't just sweep them under the carpet. But you had to die for those. And we are humbled by the fact that it was your love that insisted that you follow through this plan. And so, Jesus, we praise you that you willingly did it for us. We thank you, Lord, not only that you have allowed us to continually remember that, but you've assured us that faith indeed is our victory. Bless these sacraments and we commit them to you and pray that your blood would prove to indeed be cleansing with power. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please hold the cup till we'll serve together and we will celebrate together. the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. This reminds us 
God could have dealt with sin any way he so choose if he wanted to. But he chose to do it in a way that will not only just sort of cover things up, but it comes with the power to change our lives. And it's through his very sacred and holy blood that he not only guaranteed our sins are paid for, but he assured us that in that guarantee, our face in his shed blood would cleanse us and renew us. It's the new covenant in his blood. We're not only forgiven, we're changed. And I trust that would be our hope, our confidence, and our praise. God, we praise you for this symbol that reminds us. Let your blood overflow us. Let it empower us. Let it renew us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody did. We got to have a song of celebration. Let's stand. Jesus ended it this way. It's finished. Oh, we need the words. God bless you. Have a great day. And don't be afraid.
when someone says, prove it to me, you say, just give me a little time. Jesus, what he began, you'll see it by tomorrow. God bless you.